I'm going to read this entire psalm. We'll begin with verse number 1 of Psalm chapter 29. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In verse number 3 we have the first of several references to the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh or Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hands to calve and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Amen. It is thought that this psalm is the breakdown of a mighty storm. J.J. Stewart Perron says it's a magnificent, magnificent description of a thunderstorm. Spurgeon, of course he always says it in a unique way, says these verses march to the tune of thunderbolt. In fact, it's thought that this term, the voice of the Lord, is a reference to thunder. And so we're confronted with a mighty storm. I read about Ferdinand I. He was called Ferdinand the Great. For over 30 years, he was king of Castile. And uh, his brothers opposed his dynasty, and they were killed in battle. And then eventually his elder brother died. And from that point on, Ferdinand was known as the high king of the dynasty. There were no more rivalries in his family. Well, I would like to use verse number 10 as my text tonight. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. 
I'd like to remind us that our King, the Lord Jesus, is truly the High King. Amen. I'd like to use this description of a storm and uh, apply it to our lives spiritually. Last night, uh, I preached from one of the great Messianic Psalms, Psalm chapter 40. And I preached on worshiping the king of obedience. He said, Lo, I come. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Amen. And he was the obedient king. Tonight, I want to preach for a few minutes on the thought of worshiping the king of our storms. Worshiping the king of our storms. Now, I confess to you that in years gone by, I spoke of storms, and I think I did so honestly and openly going through storms. But the older a person gets and the more storms you go through, you realize that yesterday's storm was somewhat of a step towards today's storm. Today's storm is a step towards tomorrow's storm. And I don't know that I could talk to you about storms the way others could, but I do feel like it's my assignment tonight to remind us who is king. Amen. Of our storms. Amen. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Amen. Now, beginning with the first four verses, I want you to notice firstly, as the story unfolds, we have the commencement of our storms mentioned. Storms don't just happen within a minute. They brew, they develop, and it takes time for storms to come our way. We hear the news and the weather, and they talk about a front that's coming out of Texas. And within a day or so, that front reaches us in Georgia and then in North Carolina, and uh, then it blows on out to sea. It takes time. And so I would emphasize this matter of the commencement, the beginning of our storms. Yes. Notice, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, storms are based on divine throneship. Whatever we say about a storm's beginning, we must realize that they have their origin, their springs in God. Amen. They issue like the, like the river of life that issues out from the throne of God. So the storms of life issue out of the purposes of God. They're based on divine throneship. Now, if you're not careful, if you don't get a hold of that truth, You'll blame your storms on your husband. Or you'll blame it on your wife. Or you'll blame it on your boss. Or you'll blame it all on your children. But you have to look above all of that and see that God sitteth upon the floods. Amen. God reigneth. 
in our storms. Where do you see that, Tom, in verses 1 and 2? Well, first of all, in verse number 1, we're reminded of God's worthiness. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Now, the name Lord in itself says enough. But here we're told to give to the Lord. That name Lord with a capital L and a capital O and a capital R and a capital D is the great name for Jehovah. And the name Jehovah indicates the self-existent one. The God who exists in and of Himself. The God who needs no props. The God who needs nothing to hold Him up. He's the Lord. And yet we're told that we need to give Him, according to verses 1 and 2, the glory that's due unto His name. Ye who are mighty, I give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. So we're firstly confronted with the worthiness of the God who initiates the storms of life. Notice, furthermore, we're not only uh, confronted with His worthiness, but here is a great principle. When you begin to think of God's operations, we're reminded of His Holiness. Worship the Lord. The last phrase of verse 2 says, In the beauty of holiness. I believe that's not in the beauty of your holiness. Or in the beauty of my holiness. (laughs) But the beauty of God's holiness. Our holiness. What little may be manifested in us only comes from God, does it not? There's anything holy about you, if there's anything holy about me, it's because there's one who is totally holy and he lives in us. And so these first two verses, in the light of the storm that is described in this chapter, introduce us to the fact that God is on his throne. Amen. And in His worthiness and in His holiness, He initiates the storms that come our way. No, no, no. I'm not giving God credit for what the devil does. No, we're going to blame Satan for all of his interruptions. But even back behind all of that, there's a great God who is in charge of it all. Storms are based on divine throneship. Then I want to point out from verse number 3, and I've already alluded to this, but here it is in the text. Storms are brought through divine timing. Notice this process in verse number 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The God or the or the Lord is upon many waters. Yes. Now the picture seems to be that there's a storm brewing out on the Mediterranean. And uh, the psalmist is imagining it as it comes towards land. 
He says, I hear the voice of the Lord out there on the waters. I hear the thunder. Uh, the storm is brewing. And the idea is, it's coming this way. It's moving according to His plan in our direction. May I remind you tonight, so it is with our storms. We may sense a few things yet afar off. But then comes the hour when they break upon our shores and come into our world. The Lord is upon those many waters. He's moving this way. <laughs> Someone say, well, I tell you, praise God, I've just never had some of the battles some people have, and I'm not worried about any of that. Well, you just hang on. You'll hear a little rumbling out yonder over the Mediterranean. And it'll start coming in your direction. It'll move your way. But of course, as John chapter 11 tells us, Jesus works through it all right on time. He came to Bethany in the hour that He purposed to come. Mary thought He was late. Martha thought He was late. But oh, by coming on that late hour in their mind, coming on His timing, even a greater miracle was manifest, and the glory of God was set forth in Lazarus' resurrection. And so storms are based on divine throneship. And storms are brought through divine timing. And then I want you to notice in verse 4, storms are blessed with divine triumph. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty or comes with majesty. There's nothing that sounds defeated about that, does it? This storm is coming in a very powerful motion with a very strong sensation. And David views this as a triumphant storm, accomplishing what the Creator sent it to do. And may I say, beloved, God sends storms your way and sends storms my way to accomplish something in our lives. He has the purpose all in Himself. Sometimes we'll understand it better by and by. But hallelujah! He's going to accomplish His purposes. Why, some of us here tonight are here because the wind got under us back yonder in a storm. Or the thunder and the lightning moved in our territory. And God in His might and in His power worked in our lives through the negatives and through the disappointments and through the hardships. And through the tears and the heartaches, God is involved in all facets of the storm. But here in these early verses, we see something about their commencement. Oh, yeah. The commencement of our storms. Again, you got to get beyond all these other little things that we make sources. Or you'll get bitter. You'll get bitter at people. All you'll do is brag on the devil. Look what the devil's doing. Look what the devil's done. Well, he does have his hand in a lot. But you got to get beyond all that. And see, the ultimate goal is God's glory Amen. and our development. 
And uh, God brings it into our lives for a purpose. And so we're confronted, first of all, as we look at Him as the King of our storms, with the commencement of our storms. Then I've moved rather quickly through these verses, and I might get to verses 5 through 8, where we're reminded of the coverage of our storms. The coverage of our storms. Now, if I have read this and studied this uh, properly, if my interpretation is correct, and there have been times when it hasn't been. But I try, you know, I've heard some preachers go to the to the pulpit and say, God gave me this and, I, and preach it, and it would be really out of, out of sorts with the context and not in agreement with what was being stated in the, in the very setting. And I like to go see what somebody else says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I like to make sure. Of course, you, we preachers, you, I've done this just cutting up, but uh, you ever get something on your heart and then you go to some other writer and they had the same idea? I always comfort myself instead of saying good night. Now I can't preach that. I always comfort myself and say, what about that? Great minds think alive. <laughs> no, I'm cutting up. <laughs> But uh, I tell you, uh, as I have studied this psalm out, it seems as though the storm is moving, not from east to west or west to east or south to north, but it's moving from north to south. It sweeps in off the Mediterranean. And then in verse 5, the thunder and the storm breaks in on Lebanon. Now we've heard a lot about Lebanon in the news in the last six or eight months, and the border there, just north of, of the Galilean area, and the Sea of Galilee, and then you've got Mount Hermon, and then the Lebanese border. And here the picture is the, the storm has brewed in the Mediterranean, it's crashed against Lebanon, and has broken the cedars, verse 5. Then in verse 6, we read that the storm comes on down to Syria. He maketh them to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian or Syrian. Uh, this word Syrian is another word for Hermon. Uh, he's talking about Lebanon, the hills of Lebanon, and then Mount Hermon, the high peak in the land of Israel, the high mountain. In fact, Hermon has snow on it, snow on it almost year round. And as the snow melts, it feeds the headwaters of the Jordan River. And the Jordan River comes sweeping out of Mount Hermon and take their trek down through uh, the land of Israel. And so uh, we see the storm brewing on the Mediterranean, breaking upon Lebanon, and then coming on to Mount Hermon. In verse 7, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. This seems to be a reference to lightning. And in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. Oh, it's come on down past Hermon now. And it's come down through the Judean wilderness. It even shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh or Kadesh. And, and so you have this movement, uh, this coverage of the storm. Again, let me spiritualize it. I want to say three things. God helping me about the coverage of our storms. First of all, our storms cover 
the wide places of life. Lebanon is the first, the first to receive the blunt of the storm. Sweeps it off the Mediterranean, the wide Mediterranean, then on to the wide land of Lebanon. And uh, there are some uh, wide places in life where we didn't expect to be broadsided by conflict. We thought that we were so situated and we were so set that uh, we would not face any storms in those settings. But even the cedars, the gigantic cedars of Lebanon, are breaking in this storm. Robert Murray McShane said about these cedars of Lebanon that are breaking, they're not only old, but for ages they have stood the force of other tempests. But this time they're shattered. This time they're splintered and broken. It was my privilege several years ago to preach out near Seattle, Washington. And I asked them if they would take me over and see the remains of the spewing mountain. And I went and looked at Mount St. Helens. And one of the things that moved me is when they showed that great big screen, I suppose a circular type screen of the event, what moved me the most were those trees just breaking under the lava snapping and popping and there's still evidence and that barren wilderness that surrounds the mountain now of such a such a force i want to tell you beloved there may be some things in your life that have stood for a long time but when the storm comes god knows how to mow them down god knows how to take those uh, those very strong areas of our lives the strongholds uh, of the enemy, things that we've let stand in, in days gone by. God knows how to mow it down and break it out of our lives. Our storms cover the wide places. And then as the storm moves further south over Mount Hermon, let me say our storms cover the high places. I had the erroneous idea early on. If I could just live on the mountaintop. And you know, I do live physically on top of a, a mountain. We're not all that tall, but uh, there in the foothills of the Blue Ridge, uh, we're over right at 2,400 feet. And, and uh, people come in there from all over the south and the north wanting to buy mountain property. And uh, they think that's the perfect place to live. Boy, you have a better view up here on the mountain than any other place. But they forget the foggy days and the cold hours. Those real estate boys don't tell them about all four seasons. And the ice age. And all of the snowstorms that come on the high places. I want to tell you, there was a time when I thought, boy, spiritually, if I could just stay on the tops of these mountains and and just praise God and rejoice in the God of my salvation, that's where it is. Well, I want to tell you, the storms cover the high places too. Ask Abraham. He wasn't in a valley. He took Isaac, his only son, up the mountain. And there on top of the mountain... He was required to offer him for a burnt offering as God had told him. 
And yet we know God supplied and miraculously provided a ram, caught in the thicket. But oh, don't forget that was a stormy hour in offering His only Son, preparing to do it. And there are high places in our lives where the storm breaks. You may feel like you're on Mount Hermon, but that doesn't exempt you from storms. Well, praise God, I can handle the devil now. I've got life by the tail, and I'll swing things around my way. Hey, the storms can reverse your world in just a few minutes. And God sends storms in the high moments of our life, as well as the wide places. And then I must mention down in verse 7 and 8, the storms cover the dry places. (laughs) Even down into the wilderness, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. Ah, here we have the power of the storm coming into a very dry, brittle area, the wilderness, or another word for desert, the desert, in the wilderness of Judea, and any other wilderness in Israel. The word wilderness indicates a very dry place. Uh, you know, here in the southeast, I know when my uncles used to take me rabbit hunting, uh, I thought we was going out in the wilderness, you know. Look at all this wilderness out here. I, I, I refer to a wilderness as something that had a lot of undergrowth. I had a thickly populated area of trees and shrubbery and bush, briars. But in the Bible, a wilderness is a dry, barren wasteland. And yet, here comes the storm. Somebody said, well, I've been in this dry place so long. I reckon I'm just going to have to get used to it. No, you don't. In due season... God's going to send a storm down in that dry region. And it'll, it'll give you moisture that you didn't think you'd ever have. And give you a little green pasture that you didn't think you was going to have. And give a little fertile, fertilization that you wasn't expecting. I'll never forget the second trip I made to the Holy Land. We were going down from, Israel, from Jerusalem down by Bethany on down to the Dead Sea. And when we arrived down at the Dead Sea, our our guide, our tour guide said to us, he said, now we're going to go in these little shops and you you want to swim. That seems to excite some people. You want to swim in the Dead Sea? You can do that. And he went through all the little procedures. But he said, uh, he said on the way out, he said, now we'll have to hurry. We're going to have to get it. Get out of here pretty quickly because since we left Jerusalem this morning, the time we spent in Bethany, they had an unusual rainstorm in Jerusalem. And he said all these dry trenches that looked like useless ditches, he said all that rain that fell in Jerusalem is headed this way towards the Dead Sea. And he said we've got to get out of here before it crosses the road or we'll have to wait another hour or two till it thins down. And sure enough, by the time we got our shopping done and our looking and our photos and got back on the bus, the water was beginning to move towards the highway and crossing the highway and going on in to the Dead Sea. And we hurriedly got through it. And I got some pictures of that. It made an impression on my heart. 
I tell you, the dry places may look like they're God forsaken. You may feel like God's forgotten where you are tonight. But the day comes when He brings it down off a of mountain yes. and down into the dry yes. world, down into that world where there's no moisture and there's no life. And He begins to feed that dry land with the moisture of heaven and the, and the dews of eternity. Thank God tonight for how storms cover all the areas of our life. And you're not going to escape them. I was preaching in Northern Ireland for my friend Dr. Victor Maxwell. And this young preacher came up to me and in his accent he said, I, I want to talk to you, Brother Hayes. And I talked to Brother Maxwell. He said, yes, said he'd like to take you home and feed you and he wants to talk to you. And for about an hour around the table and fellowshipping right thereafter, he told me about a storm that had come in his life. A storm in Northern Ireland. A storm in Georgia. storm in Tennessee. I got an email from a dear missionary in Scotland the other day. And he said, please pray for our church. He said, we, we've had some... Uh, onslaught of the enemy and the neighbors around. He said they've broken out our windows and said now we're down to only four or five people. Pray for us that the Lord will sustain us. I want to tell you there's storms everywhere. Yes, they cover the wide places. They cover the high places. They cover the dry places. And so we see the king of our storms is king in the commencement of our storms. He's king in the coverage of our storms. Amen. Then I want to come to those last verses and talk to you a few minutes out of my heart about the consequences of our storms. He's king of our storms. And hallelujah, He's working it to our good and for His glory. Somebody said, well, what am I going to get out of this? All right, are you ready? Look at verse number 9. The voice of the Lord maketh the hands to calve. Now I'll just pause right there and emphasize one truth. I've checked this from several different angles. This seems to be a reference to the mother deer giving birth to a little, uh, a little fawn. And uh, in the storm, in the storm, uh, she is moved with travail and she gives birth. In the storm. Well, I was in Virginia when I was studying this. I preached it one night. and I asked one of the men there who, he doesn't own the farm, but he works for a, a wealthy man who has a goat farm. And I said to him, you're, you're always involved with these animals. I'm not an outdoorsman. Could you tell me, what, what about a storm would cause a mother to have a little animal, to have a little baby. Well, what, what, what would cause the hinds to cave in a storm? And he said, well, preacher, he said it wouldn't just be the lightning and the fright of the storm. He said that would be a one force. But he said, you know, when the storms come, they usually have to do with the force of gravity and the pull of the moon. And he said, so it is with the birth of little ones. It has to do with the pull of the moon. 
Uh, and he said, I believe that that verse must uh, have to do with uh, God changing the tides and God changing the forces at the moment. And uh, uh, the mother giving birth to the little one. I said, what's that got to do with my storms? I want to tell you, beloved, in our storm, the Lord often gives delivery. Yeah. He births things in the storm. Sometimes He births truth in us in the storm. We've been reading that passage of Scripture for ages, and it hadn't been alive to us. But in the storm, the hinds begin to cave. And we say, oh Lord, that verse helped me today. That's what I needed, is to see, Lord, that you're helping me in this hour. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to cave. I, I want to tell this, uh, just to get it out of my heart, I thought about it again today. Some of you know this, my wife and I had two girls in the first shift of life. And then we had a surprise package in the second shift of life. And uh, now we're having grand youngins in the third shift. But uh, I'll never forget when Acacia was born, our youngest. She's 14 now. And uh, I used to say when she first came, because she was such a surprise, what are you doing in my house? I'd hold her, what are you doing in my house? And now I tell her often, Acacia, how did we ever get along without you? It's just God's arrangement. But what a lot of folks don't know is I had gone through a deep, dark depression for about six months prior to that. I, I don't know what causes it. I don't know how to tell you it's coming or tell you all the reasons it comes. But I, that was the first time I'd ever encountered anything like that. And uh, when uh, when we heard that Acacia was coming, it seems that the news of another child lifted me above that darkness. Amen. And uh, God gave us a little one. There was delivery as a result of the storm. Now, I'm not wishing that on any of y'all. Uh, but I want to tell you, God bursts a lot of babies out of storms. God gives a lot of spiritual births as a result of our storms. Uh, sometimes He He bursts His purpose in us. And, and we see things that He has in mind in our lives for ministry and for service. Uh, I told this last week, uh, this thing of preaching might be likened unto a mother delivering a child. Paul said, I delivered the gospel unto you, Corinthians. Yes. Well, a mother knows that that's conceived in her grows and develops and excites her. She wants everybody to be excited as she is. That husband and wife may have been together on several occasions, but this time conception took place. Yes. And that which was conceived uh, was eventually born. And there was a room for it in your house when that yes. baby got here. Yes. I see the same process in God birthing a sermon in a preacher's heart. You've read that passage of Scripture many times. But this time, conception takes place. Yes. Just like this message I'm preaching to you tonight. I've, I've read through Psalm 29 in days gone by. <laughs> a few months ago, conception took place. Yes. 
And I see it in a new light. And, and I remember when my wife was expecting our first child. She was very sick in our second child. And had some problems with our third one. But that first child, she would wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And want me to be as excited in the middle of the night about that baby kicking her side or kicking her ribs as she was. Well, it's hard for me to get excited at seven in the morning and less three in the morning. But uh, I, I've had times when truth has gotten big in me and kicked around in me, and I've gone and shared it with her, and she just said, well, I've got some other dishes to wash. I've got some other things to do. It wasn't as exciting to her as it was to me. But then comes the day where that baby's going to be born, whether you've got the room painted or not, or whether you feel you've got enough money saved for the doctor, or whatever you, uh, your situation may be, that baby's coming, and you've got a place for the baby because you love the baby. It's your baby. Amen. So it is with preaching. God lets it develop in you, and then the day comes when that truth is born. Whether you feel you're ready or not, whether you've got your little outline so-so or not, it's time for that truth to be born. And God gives birth. And there'll be a life out there somewhere for that to live in. I don't believe I've ever preached a message under the power of the Spirit that God didn't have somebody for that truth to live in. And it becomes precious to them. And they baby that baby. They love that baby. They'll play that tape back a few times. They'll share it with other people. Have you seen this? How because God has brought delivery to them. Delivery sometimes comes in our storms. He maketh the hands to care. Notice furthermore, and discovereth the forest. The word indicates he lays bare or strips the forest. The storm has been so severe. It's left the, the forest where you can look at it. You didn't know it was that big. You didn't see it that far. But the storm has cleared it out. May I say in our storms, God not only gives delivery at times, but he gives discovery. And you see things more clearly than you've ever seen before. Amen. He knocks out all the cedars. Yeah. And you get to see the forest, not just one tree, but you get to see the whole the whole scope of things. <laughs> How precious it is when God lays it back and you say, oh my, I didn't see it like that before. I didn't know it was that big. I didn't know it was that wonderful. And God gives discovery. Sometimes discovery of truth, sometimes discovery of steps, discovery of territory. Uh, but God giveth discovery in the forest. And then notice lastly verses 10 and 11. Of course verse 10 has been my key text. He sitteth upon the flood, he sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The idea is the Lord will give strength and dignity to His people. They've had their heads down, but now they can lift them up because they know He's seated King forever. Amen. He give us strength. He will bless His people with peace. 
Sometimes it gives a measure of dignity to through the storms. Yes. You find yourself feeling, well, God's doing something in me. God's doing something in my life. God's doing something in my family. God's doing something in my circumstances. And instead of hanging your head down low, you find yourself with a measure of spiritual dignity. Strengthened with God's strength. And given peace deep in your heart. I read about Cambyses, the king of Media. He lost 50,000 men as he led them across the desert by what was called dreadful winds. The winds were so terrible and so manipulative that they destroyed his army. I want to tell you tonight, our king's not going to destroy his army in the storms. He's going to develop us. He's the king of our storms. He's king of the commencement. He's king of the coverage. He's king of the consequences. I want to yield more and more to what He has in mind. Don't you? May the Spirit of God take these scattered thoughts and somehow help us to see. Let me read it one more time. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Would you stand with me please?